Welcome to our class on the Proverbs, Words of Wisdom. Today we'll start a new topic on greed and giving. Uh, due to technical difficulties, this is not a live class, uh, and so the class will be shorter, uh, perhaps, uh, today. And also this will lead into uh, two other classes uh, on this same topic uh, to follow. Let me pray for us and we'll get started. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for the blessing of Your Word, and we thank You that Your Word is true and it is truth. And we thank You that as we go to Your Word, uh, Your Holy Spirit uses this to instruct us, to teach us Your will. And so we pray that we would have uh, open eyes and ears to study what You have to teach us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in pulling together the topic of greed and giving, uh, perhaps antonyms, uh, although with unique nuances. Uh, what I want to start out with is to define what is greed. Uh, oftentimes, uh, we will say that person is a greedy person. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, greed, greed can be defined as intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, Food or something else. An intense and selfish, and I think the emphasis is because it is a negative connotation, that it is a selfish desire. Greed is an intense and selfish desire. In contrast, if you think about giving, which we all know what giving is, we all know what, is, what it means to give, uh, we could say, well, giving is intense, but it is certainly not selfish. In fact, one who has little may give generously. And so giving presumes having, but having does not presume giving. Someone can have and be greedy and can hoard, and yet someone can be a giving person, although they have little but they have a little to give, and so may give generously. And, and you may be, as we talk about this, thinking about the example from the Gospels where uh, Jesus is observing the widow uh, who gives out of uh, her poverty, as He said. In Luke chapter 21, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, "...Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box." And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And that's a beautiful picture of a woman who truly was giving, we may assume from the heart, but certainly not giving uh, are, are greedy for selfish gain, but giving with a sacrificial heart, giving with a sacrificial attitude. Well, what I want to do is, and to walk through the Proverbs, is I want to just start with what are the characteristics of a greedy and ungiving person? What are the characteristics of a greedy and ungiving person? And uh, I would imagine that we could come up with uh, a large number, but I've narrowed it down to uh, 
a list of seven different characteristics, seven characteristics of the greedy or ungiving person. And the first is that a greedy or ungiving person is covetous. They are covetous. Proverbs 11.6, the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. And as we look at that proverb, uh, there is scholars tell us that there is a play, a word play going on with this Hebrew word, the Hebrew word hawat, which is translated here in the ESV as lust. Uh, it could also be translated as desire. It could also be translated as craving. But it can also, and here's the word play, it could also be translated as disaster. And so if you read that verse, Proverbs eleven six, the righteous the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust or taken captive by their disaster. Well, context determines how we translate this Hebrew word, but poetically, the, the poet or the sage is likely using a play on words because indeed the treacherous are bent on disaster through their craving. And so we see how these two could describe who this treacherous person is. The treacherous are those who are deceitful or more than likely it's just referring to those who are in general wicked or built on, uh, bent on wicked intent. But the main point here is not necessarily who the treacherous person is, but rather what do we understand about them in terms of their desire or their lust? Well, the sage says that their desire, their craving, their lust, it captures them. They are taken captive by it. We might think of this in in the sense of a habitual uh, or an addictive craving uh, what they see, they must have. There is no discernment, there is no restraint to their desire, and therefore, like addiction to drugs or alcohol, they become enslaved to their craving. The second characteristic of a greedy or ungiving person is they are dissatisfied. Dissatisfaction. Proverbs twenty-seven twenty. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. Uh, Sheol is the Hebrew word that we might translate as grave. Abaddon, we would translate that as the place of destruction. But as they are used here together in this proverb, Sheol and Abaddon, they form what is called a a hendiadus which is when you take uh, two nouns and you join them together with a conjunction, so Sheol and Abaddon, or something similar to that, to describe one thing. So what are Sheol and Abaddon describing by this, this uh, hendiadus? It is describing the realm of death or the place of the dead. And so the Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, meaning that people die every day, and yet the earth absorbs them uh, from dust to dust, we might say, and the earth is never satisfied. 
Death continues on and on. There's never a point where the earth says, I cannot take another dead person to disintegrate into dust uh, into me. No, that never happens. The, the place of the dead, the realm of the dead is never satisfied, the sage says, and never satisfied are the eyes of man. Meaning what? Well, me, meaning that human desire is never satisfied. We always want more and more and more, and there seems to be no end to human desire. And, and you think about the world in which we live. Uh, we might say our own culture, but this is really across the world as well. But certainly within our own culture, we see how advertisers or uh, certain forms of media will seek to play on these human desires uh, by always telling us uh, what we will be satisfied with. Well, we need this, well, we need that, etc., etc. And so this proverb, to a certain extent, as we're considering the characteristics of the greedy and ungiving person, it also serves as a point of self-awareness for us. Uh, we need to, we who desire not to be greedy and ungiving, uh, we need to understand that we are prone to be dissatisfied with what we have. We need to understand that we are prone to want and want and want and want uh, more. Solomon uh, knew quite a bit about this, and writing in Ecclesiastes and in a self-biographical portion uh, in the second chapter of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity, and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun." Solomon uh, desired, and there was no restraint to his desire. And of, of course, some of the things that he desired were good and worthy things. But that doesn't necessarily uh, mean that we are to necessarily pursue them. Uh, furthermore, we are not to find our satisfaction. And that's the real issue here in those things that we desire. And so Solomon, in this pursuit, at the end of his life, he looks back and he says, there was no gain. There was nothing of true and eternal substance in this. In fact, financially speaking, and this is as relevant today as it was when Solomon wrote this, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. And so the point is, is that the greedy and ungiving person is, is never satisfied, so they want more. They've got this intense selfish desire to gain and to gain and to gain, never being satisfied in what God has providentially given to them. Uh, the writer, uh, the sage writes in Proverbs thirty fifteen, The leech has two daughters, give and give. Uh, now, scholars tell us that this may be referring to a specific leech that would attach uh, and suck blood from an animal or perhaps a, a person with two points of attachment. Uh, and that may be what uh, the sage is referring to here. But more than likely, it's just a poetic device of emphasis. 
um, the, the, the leech that, that sucks the blood. Uh, there, there is no fulfillment uh, or no end to the desire, to the lust of that. The leech is never satisfied. Uh, and so uh, there is, in, in this sense, a dissatisfaction, although one is consistently taking in uh, the person who is constantly seeking out things that they think will satisfy them, we know, as the Scripture says, they'll never be satisfied. Number three, a greedy and ungiving person is characterized by selfishness. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Now, one of the questions that comes up on this is when the, when the sage says, do not withhold good, what's this good referring to? The neighbor needs this good. Uh, the the uh, person who uh, can give can provide this good, presumably. And, and so the, uh, the question is, what is this good that we have that we can give? And it can refer to ethical good. Um, our neighbor certainly needs our good ethics. Um, but, and, and I'm not going to go into this in great detail, but grammatically uh, we see that it is actually referring to tangible goods, or tangible good, rather. And that this can be... Uh, a good can represent, and we've talked about this before, a metonymy where, where one word uh, is used to represent a greater meaning and a number of different things. And here this good probably is referring to a material or financial good. Uh, it can be referring to action, action on our part, uh, or it can be referring to urgent attention. For example, if our, our neighbor is, is injured, uh, he or she is broken his or her leg, for example, and, and they need our help, um, well, that is a, a tangible good that we can show to them by helping them. Uh, one scholar says, from those to whom it is due, as it is referred here, which is really the qualifier of this proverb. Let me read it to you again so you understand it in context. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. That's an important qualifier. Uh, we are to show, we are to do good to those to whom it is due. Refers here... Uh, if you translate that literally from the Hebrew, uh, it means good for its possessors, uh, meaning th those who are receiving uh, the, the good, it is good for them, but so also vice versa. The implication is, and think about this, to those whom it is due, the implication is that we should help those whom we can, when we can, but not those who are unwilling to help themselves. Uh, we are cautioned, actually, in the Proverbs. And this is, this is helpful in terms of discernment because some people will say, well, it seems as if there are certain Proverbs that uh, teach us to just give without discrimination, just to give without discernment. And you have to read the Proverbs within the context of the Proverbs. For example, uh, we are, are told or we are cautioned against encouraging the lazy, 
Proverbs 19.24. We are cautioned about encouraging the leech that we were just referring to, uh, someone that sucks the life out of everything but never gives back, uh, Proverbs 30.15. And also the ungrateful worker, uh, Proverbs 29.21. And there are a number of other examples uh, as well. But the point is this, is that we are to give, but we're not to give without wisdom. We're not to give undiscerningly. Uh, we are to give to those, those who are willing to help themselves, but in the moment have serious need and need our help. And I think about this when I, I was looking at this proverb. I'm thinking about the Apostle Paul's uh, admonition to the Thessalonians in his second epistle to them, in which he said, and I'm quoting from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Well, that's good counsel uh, from the Apostle Paul. It goes all the way back to the wisdom uh, that we find here in the Proverbs and, of course, uh, the wisdom that is from God, that we are to be a giving and generous people, but we are also to exercise wisdom. Well, the the greedy or ungiving person, however, doesn't consider the needs of others, but rather... He or she is selfish, thinking only of himself or herself. When their neighbor is truly in need, they're more concerned about what their needs are. Number four, the greedy and ungiving person is stingy. They are characterized by stinginess. Proverbs 11.24, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers want. Now, the, the Hebrew word translated here, gives freely, literally means scatters. And you might think about this in an agricultural context of, of scattering seed upon the ground. Uh, but the idea is, as one scholar defines it, to throw widely, loosely, and freely about. Uh, that is, uh, what the sage is telling us is to characterize our, our giving. We are to give freely, scattering it, as it were. Uh, Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, if you go back to the Proverbs, let's go back to Proverbs eleven twenty four. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. So the stingy person is at a distinct disadvantage in that they think by being stingy, being miser, um, miser, miserly, is that a word? I'm going to go with it. Uh, they're holding back, they're stingy, they think that they are preserving their wealth. 
They think by doing this that it is to their benefit. Uh, but the sage says, well, it's actually the opposite. The more stingy they are, the more they suffer want. And so the question becomes, how do we explain the paradox of growing richer by giving freely and the paradox of being stingy yet constantly being in want? And there are a number of ways to look at this, but I, I want to tackle the first one, and that is this, that in God's economy, there are what we understand to be paradoxes, uh, oftentimes unexplainable. Uh, we can't understand how God works. Uh, as, as one of my friends said, is that uh, sometimes we as Christians need to understand that even when we do not comprehend God's truth, we are to apprehend it. And, uh, and, and so this is one of those cases where it is somewhat mysterious, uh, where God works in this way in His economy, and it may not make sense to us, but, but we do see that God specifically says it, and we see it consistently throughout Scripture, this, this paradox. Those who are giving freely in fact, are blessed. And oftentimes they're blessed in the same way, but not always. And the same thing with those who are stingy, who are not giving, who are also greedy. And uh, the, the second thing is, is that it can also be more practical. Um, oftentimes those who are of a, uh, of a personality, that's probably not the word, uh, maybe a persuasion, those who are of a persuasion to, to give freely, uh, oftentimes are, are, are those who are blessed in other areas of their lives, and, and so also there are things that flow back to them. Um, but I want to be careful not to try to explain away the, the mystery of it. Uh, one of the, the commentators gives this analogy, and this may be a bit crude, so uh, I apologize in advance if this offends you, but I think it, it's a helpful analogy, is that a, a mother who breastfeeds her baby, when she breastfeeds that baby, the more she breastfeeds that baby, her body produces more milk. And when she breastfeeds that baby less, her body reduces the flow of, of that milk the supply of milk, we would say, uh, for that baby. Now, to a certain extent, that seems counterintuitive. Uh, a mother might think, you know, maybe I, I, I shouldn't breastfeed today uh, because I need to save up. I need to save up my stores. But actually, her body retracts, and so she does not, her body does not supply as much milk as is needed. And again, that, that's not a perfect analogy, uh, but still in the same way, as a mother feeds more, more milk, the body supplies. As we give freely, so also the Lord provides for us in abundant ways. And so this is a paradox and yet so also a truth in God's economy. Number five, the greedy and ungiving uh, oppress the poor. They're characterized by oppression of the poor. Proverbs 14.31 Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Uh, 
the word oppression, and we hear that a lot in our, our culture today, so we need to be careful to understand it and to define it in the context of Scripture. Oppression here, as one commentator puts it, is when the strong takes away, either directly or indirectly, the produce and the labor of the weaker, giving nothing in exchange. Um, the needy are those who are completely destitute. Uh, and in fact, uh, one commentator talks about the day laborer within the era of the writing of the Proverbs. And that day laborer would make enough within that day to be able to, to feed himself, but, but not much more. Uh, and oftentimes, uh, without work during the day or a season without work would lead to a certain degree uh, of a destitute life. And so uh, if you think about that in terms of what the need is uh, and how someone who is miserly, there's the word, uh, with the appropriate wages to a day laborer, in that sense they are oppressing the poor. This is similar to what the Apostle James talks about in his epistle. Uh, but also we see the tie-in here in this proverb with a reference to our maker. Um, in essence, what the, what the sage is describing here is that all humans are made in God's image. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. God is the maker and He is the maker of the rich. He is the maker of the poor and He specifically protects the poor. In fact, the Proverbs has much to say about the Lord's protection of the poor. Uh, Proverbs 22, 22 and 23. Do not rob the poor because he is poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate, for the Lord will plead their cause and rob of life those who rob them. And Proverbs 23, 10 and 11. Do not move an ancient landmark or enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is strong. He will plead their cause against you. And of course, the Redeemer there, the ESV appropriately capitalizes that Redeemer with an R, referring to the Lord as their Redeemer. He is strong. He is the one who will defend their cause. And so uh, we are to not oppress uh, the needy, those who are, are, are destitute, but those who are greedy and ungiven, they often are characterized by this oppression. Ultimately, what this proverb is telling us is that when you oppress the poor, when you oppress their maker, you are vicariously offending, robbing from, oppressing God. In other words, to show honor is to show dignity to the needy as a fellow human and indirectly to honor God in whose image we are made. And so we are not to oppress the poor, even, those who are, even though those who are greedy and ungiven often do. Number six, laziness. Proverbs 21, 25, and 26 the desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. What is the sluggard's desire? 
the lazy person, what, what is his or her desire? Well, it is a desire for his or her own selfish laziness. And therefore, he has nothing to take care of himself and he has nothing to give if given the opportunity to help others because he has nothing but his very own selfish desire. His personal needs and the opportunity to help others, however, could be helped with this. W-O-R-K. Well, the Proverbs has a lot to say about that very thing. And, and so the sluggard could work. The sluggard could, in fact, gain from that work to take care of his or her needs and also to help others. One commentator says, The appetite keeps normal people alive by driving them to work to satisfy it. But it kills the sluggard because his hands refuse to satisfy it. Or another commentator says, The longings of the lazy do not include work. Well, that's a, that's a subtle way of summing up this proverb, these two proverbs, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's killing him because his desire is this perpetual desire for more and more laziness, more and more selfish appetite, not focused on that which is most needed. And in this case, what is needed is work to supply his or her needs. What also is needed is work to help others who are in need. Number seven, conscious denial. Conscious denial, in this case, of need. Whoever gives to the poor, I'm reading Proverbs 28, 27, whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. And again, this is that idea that we just discussed a minute ago, this, this idea, this paradox, this mystery that God, in fact, blesses us as we give. And in this case, it says, the one who gives to the poor is not needy, is, does not suffer want. Uh, their needs are met. And, uh, and so those who are generous to the poor, they trust the Lord to reward them. They trust the Lord to provide for them. Uh, this is, the, again, contrary to the way that we think of things. Uh, in contrast, the greedy or the ungiving person, what do they do? Well, they, they hide or they, they shut, the word hides, because also it could also be translated shuts. They, they shut their eyes. And what do they shut their eyes to? They, they shut their eyes to the needs of their neighbor. They know their neighbor's needs exist. That's the implication in this proverb. But they are not willing to look at it. It's sort of like when uh, maybe you, certainly me, when I was a little boy and I would get scared because I thought somebody was in the closet or somebody was underneath the bed and I might run and jump in my bed and pull the covers over my head. Well, that accomplished nothing, did it? But as a little boy, I thought, well, if I can't see, then I'm, well, I'm, in, I'm in my own little world. I'm in my own little cocoon. Well, that's the greedy and ungiving person. They have pulled the sheets over their head thinking that if they hide their eyes from the needs of their neighbor that somehow 
the needs go away. Well, the needs don't necessarily go away. Now, in the providence of God, those needs could be met by someone who is a giving person, but that greedy and ungiving person also misses the blessing. They miss the blessing of giving. The result, in the case of the greedy and ungiving person, is their life is, it could be translated, abounding in curses. Uh, Because they hide their eyes to the needs of their neighbor, their life is just one disaster after another. And and you may think, well, I'm not sure if if, if that doesn't sound very fair to me or that that sounds somewhat like uh, Eastern mystic reciprocity or something like that. Um, But consistently, first of all, it's not. Second of all, consistently we see this in Scripture. It's not in the sense that someone does something wrong and a lightning bolt uh, hits that person and, and they're punished in that moment. But in God's economy, in this mysterious way in which He works, in fact, the greedy and ungiving person does, in fact, bear the consequences of their ungiving heart. Well, we're going to stop there for today. Uh, We'll pick up in part two next week. We're going to look at what characterizes a generous and giving person. And and, and what I'm going to do there is I'm going to take some of the same Proverbs that we've looked at and turn them around. And a lot of that we've talked about today as well. Uh, But we're going to look uh, happily at a positive viewpoint of, of giving and generosity next week. Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, we do desire to be a giving and generous people. Uh, Our desire is to be a people that reflects your giving and your generosity. And so whether we're thinking about uh, what we give faithfully and consistently to the church or to other mercy ministries and needs that uh, that we encounter in our lives, uh, that we would be a people who are indeed... uh, characterized and faithful to be generous and giving to those in need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.